0: Hello, and welcome to episode 121 of Below the Fold, where some of the best content is just a scroll away. Today's conversation, how do you build or find a team that has the same excitement with work as you do? Let me throw down some introductions. We've got Nate Birch in the studio, SEO manager at MapR Technology. That's me. Brandon Hassler, founder and CEO of Market Campus. What's up, my man? And Paxton Gray, Director of Marketing Operations at 97th Floor. How's it going? And I am Jacob Perry, Digital Marketing Manager at Myriad Genetics. So joining our conversation today is Jamie Jenkins. Let me tell you a little bit about her. Jamie is the Director of Digital Marketing at Allen Communication, a company that creates corporate custom training for Fortune 500 companies. She has seven years of digital marketing experience with an emphasis on B2B, Prior to her marketing career, she had a long-time career in sales. Welcome to the show, Jamie.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Starting with Paxton, tell me how you build a team that has the same excitement for work as you.
2: Yeah, I really like this topic. This wasn't my idea, but I'm glad that we're talking about this. At 97th Floor, I work to build the team that we have uh, in place, uh, which basically means I work to do lots of outreach and to, to target certain people to bring on to 97th Floor. And there are lots of things that I look for specifically in the people that I'm bringing on in the marketing roles. And that has changed and evolved as uh, as I've been doing it over the past two years. And uh, I've, I've tried to refine that process a lot. I've been studying Daniel Pink's book, Drive. And to start this conversation off, uh, I'd like to read one of the poems by W.H. Auden that he has in chapter five of that book. And this is what it says. It says, You need not see what someone is doing to know if it is... If it is his vocation, you have only to watch his eyes. A cook mixing a sauce, a surgeon making a primary incision, a clerk completing a bill of lading, wearing the same rapt expression, forgetting themselves in a function, how beautiful it is that eye on the object look. And that's what I look for at nice and Floor for people that are coming on to our team. People who love our industry so much that they they can get enwrapped and involved in the work. And they're so passionate about what the possibilities are and what they can create and what they can do that nothing else matters. That's what I'm looking for at Nice Seven Floor for people uh, coming to work at Nice Seven Floor.
1: Okay, so I definitely look, look for the passion too. But in my experience in building teams, sometimes that passion goes in the complete opposite direction that you want them to go. So, question back to you is how do you make sure that? You keep the passion and the purpose of what they're doing alive, but direct them towards actually completing a goal for either your client or for the business itself.
2: Can, yeah. Can you be more specific um, talking about like what when their passion carries them in a direction you don't want them to go?
1: Well, sometimes like if we're coming up with an idea for an infographic or an interactive or something to bring people back to, you know, a campaign to bring them back to the website, Oftentimes it can get that like, hey, it would be really cool if we did this. And if we had some like motion graphics here and if we did this here without even really starting with like, what is the actual business need? What, why are we doing this? At what point, what customer are we focusing on? What challenges are we trying to help them overcome? Sometimes it just lacks that foundational conversation before the passion overrides the conversation.
2: Sure. And that, I think, would bring me to something else I look for within somebody uh, starting to work is the level of business acumen that they need to possess. They need to understand why we're doing the things we're doing. When I say passion, I'm not just talking about someone who's excited about things. Brandon always used the example of some interns that we've had uh, where their idea is, let's get Kobe Bryant on a billboard. It's going to be sweet. It's going to be so awesome. And that's not the kind of passion I'm talking about. The kind of passion I'm talking about is someone who understands how intricate a digital marketing campaign is. They understand all the moving pieces and how it contributes to the bottom line and how they can manipulate certain portions of that big working machine in order to ac- accomplish objectives. So knowing having that level of business acumen, knowing that what we're doing is helping to have a business make money, uh, hit the bottom line, that is something that I think is also important. And it, it's, a, it's a much more reserved controlled and educated passion i would say rather than that just raw enthusiasm which is not what i'm looking for
0: we are taking the perspective of you as the hiring manager someone who's looking for someone to expand your team and i'm fine with that and i hope that eventually we'll take the other perspective of me being someone who is already experienced and i'm looking to find a new job how do i find a team that i would like to work with but staying along in that same vein i want to know how how do you find these folks? Because at 97 floor, you guys are hiring entry level folks. You're not you're not hiring people to become directors right away. You, there's this chain that you have to go up. So how in that initial 45 minute interview or however long it is, do you determine that somebody has that business acumen or that passion that you're looking for? When one, you barely know them and two, they barely know the industry.
2: Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, that's a difficult thing. And it's not always perfect. My you know, my methods and, and thoughts on the uh, subject are not uh, flawless, uh, to be sure. But some of the things that I've noticed and patterns that I've picked up on, typically people that do things outside of what is required or expected of them are people that do well. So as an example, I'll often get uh, people coming in. I, I refer to them to them as kids, but they're not kids. I mean, they're people coming out of adults coming out of college. And uh, they'll have worked on some pretty cool projects, where you know I built up this Instagram account, or uh, we we put together this e-commerce store. And sometimes when that those projects are part of coursework, I kind of downgrade it a little bit in how cool I think it is. Whereas uh, because you know someone said you do this thing and I will give you an A, so they followed direction, they did those things and they got their A. Uh, Whereas someone who says. Hey, you know, I, I'll never forget this one guy, or I forget his name, but he was really into unicycles and, uh, he, he decided to put together this unicycle club and he had, uh, he got hundreds of people to follow him and, and tons of people showed up to this unicycle race that he put together and he built this whole social media campaign around It brought, it got tons of awareness. He built a website. He never knew how to build a website. So he built it. He learned SEO to get more traffic to it. Like that is, that's ambition. That's, drive and that is someone who yeah he doesn't know a lot about this industry but i know that if i just feel him with the right information he can pick that up and run with it
0: so basically this guy comes in and he shows his passion for unicycles and you're really really impressed but at the end of the day you say i'm listen you are amazing but i'm sorry i can't hire you because you're a nerd is that pretty much how (laughs) what happened there no
2: he shows his passion for digital marketing. Well, meaning, I,
0: you said you don't remember his name, so I'm assuming you didn't end up hiring the guy.
2: No, there were some other extenuating circumstances, but I, re- as far as like yeah, I know he rides unicycles. No,
0: I'm just <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Unicycles are so I got to
1: back up on this one because I I called it something d- different. Uh, eagerness, you know, so people who are eager to get started. Because I got to tell you, I've run into a lot of people who are basically sitting there waiting to be told what to do. And I cannot stand that. And so somebody, if if it's like, hey, I have a passion for something, um, or maybe it wasn't readily available to them, but they found a way to start sooner. To me, I think that's a skill that you can't teach people.
0: Yeah, let me me share a quick experience. There was a guy that I hired one time. And on his first week, I sat down with him and I basically said, listen, this is how it's going to work. I'm going to do my thing. And you're going to do your thing. <laughs> and it was the perfect partnership. Jacob,
2: Poor guy. Just, Is he
1: probably an insurance agent now?
2: No, he's sitting in this chair. No, I know.
0: Yeah.
3: <laughs> now he's right across the table. Yeah, That's right.
2: Just for the audience who hasn't heard this story. So Jacob hired me originally uh, three years ago at 97th Floor and uh i was just full of questions you know i was reading these articles watching these videos learning about digital marketing and i was like wait so if i do this thing does this affect this and i was just like had so many questions i was really excited about all the things (laughs) i was learning and i kept turning to jacob asking questions and a a, a week into it uh, i asked another question he said hey listen here's how i see our jobs working i have my job and you have your job basically saying like shut up and just (coughs) learn the stuff on your own Uh, and i was like oh okay but i think uh I've told that story often, and and people, I think, take it uh, as a a harsh thing, Uh, but it really helped me. It just basically said, hey, listen, this Jacob guy is not responsible for my growth and development. It's me that's responsible for my growth and development. So I had to turn around, and and he still answered my questions. It was a good good boss. I
0: know we joke about this, but looking back, that was a terrible management style, and I apologize for that. (laughs) However, you are now top rung at 97th floor, so hopefully... hopefully, I contributed a little bit uh, to that. You also I, I thrived on your, on
2: your team. I thought, I thought you were a great See, boss. but
1: one of the things that I, that I had, you know, I guess we should actually say at this point, I actually worked with all these guys here for at least a year. Mm-hmm. So we share a lot of stories together. But one of the things that I had noticed about you, and I think, Paxton, you and I have discussed this before, is curiosity. You know, is to me, that is the ability to see an opportunity. So I think also that is another strong quality that I think you have possessed. And that's something that I have learned to look for in people that I want to hire for my own team.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think that there are times when digital marketing can be hard and it can be monotonous occasionally, depending on the task that you're doing. And so uh, going back to drive, he talks about these two personality types where uh, that we you know we've talked about A and B personality types or uh, I don't remember X and Z is the other one he uses but he comes up with his own two personality types which are I and X people who are motivated by intrinsic values uh, intrinsic motivation so that's the I and then the extrinsic that's the X so if you don't have that internal passion for the 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 industry to get better and to improve and to learn and have that curiosity it can be hard to take your goals and achieve them because oftentimes like like Jamie said and 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 Brand uh, Jacob uh, was touching on whatever but there's not always a set prescription for what you need to do to achieve certain goals there are many different paths you can take that will lead you to the same goal and so you have to have the drive to figure out what your own path is going to be and figure out what the solution is going to be and those are oftentimes the best solutions are ones that haven't been done before our industry is filled with people that are following other people's paths. And that's where you get into spam and things that are ruining our industry and ruining the internet, people following other people's paths, but looking for new solutions to tech to things that's, that's has to be fueled by that creativity that Jamie mentioned.
3: Uh, Well, just to echo on what Paxton was saying, he talked earlier about passion and I think 97th floor has a fantastic model. I mean, of all the companies I've gotten to know I haven't found a company that has a better hiring process and a better way of uh, developing and maintaining a culture as 97th Floor has done. And I think the reason that they're so successful in what they do is because they create a culture that's not about ping pong tables or, you know, getting free stuff. Although they do have lots of fun, it's, it's about results. And I would get excited about, you know, I'd have clients that are in fleece fabric or just selling super boring stuff. But I get excited because it was fun to watch those that that organic traffic go up, or to to see sales increase for the company. So that's I think the absolute thing. Whether you're looking for a place or whether you're hiring, there needs to absolutely be a passion and a culture around just that passion for results. And uh, and then I uh, I think Jamie mentioned earlier just about hiring smart people. Steve Jobs is famous for saying that. You know, it doesn't make sense to hire smart people and then tell them what to do. You should be hiring smart people and then have them tell you what to do. And you know, ninety cent floor, for example, like many agencies hire a lot of entry level employees. So you might say, well, how am I supposed to hire someone who's smarter than me uh, that can tell me what to do? Yet they're entry level, and uh, I think you can do that by gauging just their their own passion for results. I mean. I, uh, so there was one, I'll say his name, uh, Cole Revens was at Cent floor. He's still there. He was entry level at the time and he was amazing. Like, I never had to tell him what to do. He would come to me with ideas and he was an entry level employee. And he was the perfect example of someone who was constantly questioning things, asking questions. And even though I probably had a lot more experience than him and could answer more, you know, trivia questions and whatnot about search engine optimization or social media management. He, had, he was smart enough to uh, have that self-discipline and uh, creative enough to kind of move forward. And I think that's exactly the type of people we need to surround ourselves with. The type that we need to hire for is those people who are their learners. You should invest in students. I'm not saying go out and hire college students. I'm saying people who are in learning mode. I think we all know people who love to tout themselves as veterans in the marketing field. And you can tell they never have learned anything in the past five years. They just stick to the same script and tell the same thing over and over. And those are people I don't want on my team, regardless of how influential they may be online. I'm looking for the people that are always in learning mode. They're not afraid to say they don't know something. Those are usually, they're the best managers. They're the best employees. And those are the types of people that I want to surround myself as we grow, you know, our market campus team. I want people who are learning all the time.
0: So I have a straw poll question for everybody. We have talked in the past, not necessarily on the podcast, but you know, at our lunches or whatever, as Paxton mentioned uh, before in last week's episode, that there's this a team mentality, right? So as you're hiring people, uh, or working with people, if you have control over who, you, who you're working with, you there's this A-team mentality, right? Where you hire people who become your A-team and anyone who becomes a B or a C or a D-team member, you get rid of. You guys following me here? Mm-hmm. So yep. the straw poll is, one, do you agree with that method? And two, how do you pull it off? Pax?
2: I do agree with that method, but it needs to be pulled off in a very delicate and... Uh, mm-hmm in a very delicate way because really if you look at it as a team in sports it's not people don't take it personally when you cut a bad player because that bad player is hurting the whole team and it it's one of the most difficult things to do as a manager is to cut someone who is not performing at the level that you need them to perform but the way that to get through it is to think about yeah, I, I may be hurting this person uh, temporarily, but a that person will probably go on to do something better than what they're doing right now, and in, in some in place in a place that's a better fit. And b by doing this thing that's difficult, you are protecting and helping out everyone else that stays on the team.
0: Do you believe in the "you're only as strong as your weakest link" type mentality? As far as you know, the A team. I, stuff I don't. Goes? I don't
2: know. Um, no, but not you can necessarily. Be I think that's kind of a generalization that I don't. I don't know if it really applies to to our situation or something. Maybe it depends on the team. But I just feel like if there was an A player sitting in that seat where there is currently a B player, what are we missing out on that that A player would be doing if they were filling that seat right now?
4: Opportunity cost.
2: Yes. Uh, so that's an that's another issue to think about.
0: So so yes, you believe in cutting B players on your team.
2: But let me clarify, too. I, I think that you can be a B player and become an A player. So I also believe in fostering an environment where people can grow and develop and become better suited for the position that they're currently in. So I, I don't believe in a necessarily just like heavy axe, just cut them as soon as they underperform kind of mentality. I believe in development and working with people to help them become better. But if people just kind of refuse to become better, if they don't have that curiosity and drive to improve and that self-awareness to realize that they need to improve, that's then, you know, I, I really, I think there's a time when you need to cut them.
0: So Jamie, I see you're nodding your head. Do you agree with that?
1: I do. Um, and I think I do, um, agree with the process that Paxton says, well, like I, I feel like as managers, we need to obviously hire the right people, but sometimes you don't always get what you hope for. So I think as a manager developing the skills that somebody needs in order to be successful, um, whether they possess them now or, uh, whatever. I mean, if there's the drive to, To do it on themselves, great, but I think we need to provide opportunities and resources to to make that available on the job as well as off the job. Because I I say, you know, hey, this is what I expect, and this is the time frame in which I need it. And so I'll give you time at work to to build those skills, but if this is a role that you want to be and that we know that our team needs it, then you're probably going to have to put in some hours after work to do it. And then constantly reminding the purpose of what they do so that they always know that, hey, we're not just here to you know, brainstorm an activity and then create create the project and then move on to the next one. There's always a reason, to, you know, hey, we helped sales out today or, hey, we helped a customer uh, with a question that they had and they weren't able to find it anywhere else. So constantly reminding them of what they do actually has impact. This is one of those things where I'm like, this could be interpreted different ways, but I am a huge proponent for never allowing anybody to stand in the way of your success. So as a team, so if you were on my team, Paxton, um, or Nate, I would say, hey, if I am holding you back from getting something done, because maybe I've got too much on my plate, you need to come and remind me. Okay. Or if you're relying on Brandon to get your part of your job done, then you need to not wait for me to tell Brandon. You need to go to him directly and-
3: you
4: Confront know, and, the problem.
1: Yeah. And remedy the problem or identify it. So that's-
4: Great. And- so,
0: I, uh, com- so we have two more uh, folks to chime in on this question. The question being- do you believe in in cutting B players from the team? And uh, and how do you manage that, Brandon?
3: Yeah, yeah, so I absolutely believe in the A-team philosophy. I'm a big believer in cutting the B players. I know you, uh, you asked, you know, how do you actually pull that off? And I think there's a big part that is there needs to be that expectations set, piggybacking off of Paxton's Sports mentality or sports uh, analogy. I love the way how professional sports operate. From everyone, I love like the open salaries. How everyone knows and what you make determines on how well you perform, right? But in sports, you have an expectation to win, and, and each player has a role. You know, if you're a point guard, your your job is to pass the ball and make shots. If you're a, mm-hmm. a big guy down low, your job is to get rebounds and open up the lane. Like everybody knows their their role, and the goal is to win and i've noticed the mentality just with you know myself here talking to other startups as well as interacting with fortune 500 companies and you'll notice there's a big difference in the mentalities of talking to you know a fortune 500 company director with his team they're all there to get a check like they're not there to win whereas you like talk to some of these startups like they're super hungry they know that they need to win that is the expectation otherwise they go out of business and that and that team has to go find another job so i uh really like that mentality of just creating that atmosphere where everybody knows their role. And if they don't perform, you don't even have to like have that hard conversation with them saying, well, so here's why we have to let you go. Uh, They know exactly why, because you've set those expectations. Mm -hmm. And that was a big mistake I made early on in my management. I guess you could say career is I would let things slide. And then it's always tough when it's six months down the road, and you realize that your team needs to make a big change And then they're already kind of set in their ways. So work with them. not saying you have to micromanage. Again, you shouldn't be telling these people everything they need to do, but set that expectation that guys were here to win. And here's what I define as winning. If that doesn't happen, none of us have jobs. And that culture really kind of helps develop those B players into A players pretty quick. And then you cut out the people who don't buy into the system.
2: I I realize Nate still has to chime in here, but I do want to add something to that. I, I... Like While I I completely agree with Brandon and I I definitely believe in cutting B players uh, because it hurts the team overall, it's not personal. It's just like it's business. That's what it is. You have to build the best team to be successful. On the other hand, you have to also realize as a manager that not everyone has the same outlook on life or has the same mental models and philosophies on building a team that you do. While I agree that that is the best model and philosophy, I think that's something that you can often keep internal and not doesn't have to be an external thing. Uh, so to explain what I'm talking about is, you know, I believe this this model so much that I would wear it on my sleeves uh, in the past. You know, I played football and I went through Hell Week, and Hell Week is designed to cut the people who aren't fit for playing football, right? At least freshman year that's what Hell Week is for. And so I kind of treated our interviewing process as a little mini Hell Week. Basically I said, hey listen, you come work for us. You're going to get results. Uh, it's going to be hard. And uh, we only have A players. If you're a B player, we cut you. And, and I would just like try to make it sound bad thinking, man, if this person is an A player, they'd be like, hey, I don't care. I'm the best. I'm going to come on. I'm going to kill it. Like that doesn't scare me. And that's what the kind of people we're going to get. Nope. Nope. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I mean, you can just take a little trip to Glassdoor and see uh, a bunch of <laughs> reviews that re- that review me specifically call me out for basically being too rough on people. And the, t- the you can you have to realize that while someone may have uh, a B, perhaps a B player, or, or I don't know what to call it, but like a B player personality, they can still be an A, a top performer on the team, but they're not the kind of person that will respond to, hey, if, if anyone's slacking, we're going to cut them, right? Some people do respond to that. I'm the kind of person that does respond to that. Other people don't. So while you can have, you can possess that mental model it's sometimes best to keep it internal or actually it's best to learn your employees and know what motivates certain people and realize that not everyone's going to respond to that same uh, external model.
4: Nate? So I'll, I'll say that I agree with the A player mentality, but I'll, I'll also say that uh, I, I kind of want to pull together what Jamie had mentioned about uh, passion and, and setting expectations. You can have a B player, but they sure as heck better know what they have to get done. They, they're going to know that they're a B player they need to know what it takes to also be an A player. And if their role is not correct for them, either they find a new company or they find the new skills to be able to do that. And I believe that setting those expectations is the way to take that, that crazy passion. And the manager then has, has a, a wider view of what actually needs to get done to accomplish the goal. And those expectations set by the manager are then able to funnel all the tasks and all that excitement into the things that actually need to get done. So one, and, and, and I'll just end with this. My one metric to know that I am in the right industry is what I do after work. I read more about what I'm already doing at work. I read more. I like to educate myself more. And that, that's kind of a different way to say, well, what do I look for in employees? I would look for exactly the same thing. I want to know more about what I'm learning, what I'm doing, what I'm doing at work. The moment for me, that the moment that changes is the moment that I myself have said, I need a different industry. This isn't exactly what I'm passionate about. And I believe that if I don't give that, then it, it's, it's up to me to have identified myself as, call it the B player, to say, maybe I can be an A player somewhere else.
0: Mm-hmm. So what I'm hearing, a pretty common theme here is expectation management, especially with the people that you're hiring, with the the folks that you're surrounding yourself with. And really what it sounds like is everyone just needs to sit their employee down and say, listen, here's what I expect from you, and here's what you should expect from me. Is that right, Pax? That's right. Okay. The last thing I'll say on that before we enter last word is it also helps to live in a a right-to-work state, which we do, and it allows us to have conversations like this where we can say, uh it doesn't matter what you did, I can fire you anytime I want. So anyway, we'll we'll go ahead and enter last word. We'll go around the room. I'll leave it to Jamie to go last. We'll let her uh end on the high note, as as some might say. Thanks we'll, for the pressure. Yeah. yeah <laughs> saving saving the best for last, exactly. Sixty seconds uninterrupted. We'll
4: start with Nate. So for me, for my, my last word, I want to say that uh, there are a lot of different things that I have interest in, and I know that I have interest in them because I lose track of time when I'm doing them. I, I love digital marketing. I love marketing in general. I love spending time at my wood shop. I can spend eight to, t- 8 to 12 hours digital marketing, and then I can go spend another 4 to 6 hours in the shop, forget that uh, the clock is going by, and it's midnight. So that is my metric to know exactly what I should do. And as it changes, I, I welcome change. I, I'm perfectly okay with it. I think we're all better off recognizing our strengths and following those passions. And it also happens to be awesome that uh, my, my passions align with making a good income. Do you think you can make a unicycle in your woodshop? Make? Yes. Functional? No. Hmm. Keep working at it. Brandon?
3: So I'm a big believer of hiring um, culture over skills. They're both very important, but I think that's kind of what Paxton was getting at was, you know, how you can have B players and turn them into a players. Uh, I don't think he was necessarily referring to skill because there's obviously going to be many different levels of skill at any given company. But if one person, regardless of how talented or untalented they are, if they don't buy into the system, the way the, 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 the company thinks, the way the culture runs, That person's going to fail and those around them are going to fail. So I would say when you're hiring, whether you're looking for, you know, the biggest rock star on the planet or you're looking for a solid entry level person, I would make most of the focus making sure that they believe what you believe. They have to buy into the vision. They have to buy into the process of how you get stuff done. And even if they aren't as skilled, if they have that mentality, they are going to be awesome employees down the road and they're very much worth investing in.
0: Great. I'm going to give my last word. It's going to be pretty short. Uh, We've talked a lot about passion, which I think is uh, it's, I think passion is one of the easy things to find in people that you interview, regardless of what the topic is. If they're passionate about something, you know that that person, person is capable of being passionate, right? But the, the one thing that I would say that we haven't mentioned before is when surrounding people with, or when surrounding yourself with people that you want to be like, or learn from, it's not a one-way street. You should allow those people to interview you as well. They should be asking the same kind of questions. So we've talked a lot about the hiring process, us asking questions to the folks we're looking to hire, and at the same time, we should allow them the opportunity to ask us the questions to make sure that it's a good fit for them just as much as it is for us. Anyway, uh, Paxton, what do you got?
2: I can't imagine someone being in this industry and not being excited about what we're doing.
0: Okay, Uh, before Jamie goes, I just want to say thank you again for coming on. I think the input and insights that you have shared have been extremely valuable and I I, uh, hope to maybe have you back another time. Anyway, 60 seconds, Jamie, what do you got?
1: Okay, you kind of sold my thunder, Brandon, but I definitely agree with hire, hire on character and develop the skill. I think that especially is true when you're hiring a beginning marketer. I think character should be true across the board, no matter who you're hiring. If you're looking to hire somebody intermediate or somebody with advanced skills, <clears throat> first of all, if I'm the one doing the, the interviewing, I'm going to ask a lot of questions and I'm going to want to know what you've accomplished. And I'll want to know specifically what you actually contributed to that. If you're the person, if you're the interviewee, you should expect those conversations and those questions and you should have good answers. Because I think it's very apparent, depending on how you answer the questions, whether or not you were involved in success or not. Again, what we talked about as managers is setting expectations. Where I feel like managers often fail is the follow-up, is, you know, mission statements. Employees roll their eyes at those all the time because they're set it, you know, in, in the beginning of when you're hired, and then they're just up on the plaque of the wall of, of the CEO's office. You constantly have to bring up expectations throughout the Uh, Meetings and throughout the year. Lastly, I mean, a lot of what we're talking about is skills gap training. And, you know, there was no plug in it before, but I mean, Market Campus is a perfect example of resources that are out there for, hey, hire the right person and then put them into the right training. And then that way you can get everybody's skills up to the same level. And then we can all focus on getting results.
0: All right. Awesome. That's all the time we have. Go to belowthefold.io and submit some topic ideas.